You're listening to Let's go. the Second Opinion Podcast. Second Opinion on what? I think we should get a second opinion. Where all things gaming are on our mind all the time. That's all I can think about. Just like the name says, we might have some different opinions. So get yelling, laughing, crying, and of course some very opinionated gamers. Here are your hosts, Celeb, Bolt, and TJ. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Second Opinion Podcast, episode number 290. It's your boy, Celeb, back again. Um, yes, that is right. Yet another solo cast, but very soon, hopefully, schedules are going to be back to normal. I'll be going back to work, I think, two days this coming up week, and then this following week, I'll be back at work full time. Um, and hopefully me, Bolts, and TJ will be able to get some recording done. Uh, but I wanted to get an episode out, uh, yet another episode out. Um, I did finish, finally get my Doom review posted, which you'll be hearing a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, and I just wanted to kind of talk to you guys to see how things are going. Um, it is episode 290. It's so crazy. We're 10 episodes away from episode 300. I'm so excited. We're really going to try to start heavily focusing on making sure that I get as much content out to you guys as possible and as much information out to you guys as possible um, and really kind of start sharing how I really feel about the games industry and uh, being a little bit more in depth and so on and so forth so I'm really excited uh, about what is to come in the future for the podcast uh, and for the YouTube page and um, and through Cineleaks.com as well. Make sure to check us out at Cineleaks.com for some of the latest and greatest geek news, movie news, and gaming news. Great content and great content creators right over at Cineleaks. So, it is me back again for another episode. Um, definitely make sure to check out the YouTube page. I just posted another unboxing for some pretty cool pops. Um, and then I'll be posting my video review of Doom Eternal very soon. I just have to get it all ironed out. Um, but you will be hearing the audio um, of the review on this episode at the very end. So definitely make sure to tune in for that. So what have I been drinking and what have I been gaming? So drinking-wise, i got to give a shout-out to my boy Bolts. Uh, got me and TJ some beers the other night. I'm drinking the Real Ale Brewing Moonwalk Zero Gravity IPA right now. It's fantastic. Definitely make sure to check it out. ABV on it is 6 so definitely, uh, I would say really check this out. It is a Texas beer uh, established, I think, in 96. Um, it's got a really nice, um, not too heavy, not too hoppy flavor to it, man. I mean, it's it's a very kind of central beer, let's say that. So if like, you're really not into a lot of different styles of beers or something like that, and you want to kind of branch into something new, always go with an IPA first. Don't go into something that's going to be... Um, a real hoppy, heavy beer. But um, these IPAs, in, these Indian Pale Ales are, are really good beers. And especially this one right here, Moonwalk Zero Gravity. Check it out. It's a fantastic brew. Um, but with that being said, gaming-wise, I have been playing um, a good chunk of video games, I guess. Um, not really. I don't know. It's It's been weird. Like, in downtime at the house when I haven't been spending, like, when I haven't been spending the time with the kids or the family i've been playing some uh nintendo switch um uh, i have been playing Link's awakening which we're going to talk about in just a minute um also have been playing assassin's creed black flag on the switch which is it's pretty fun but i think i may halt on that and end up playing rogue because rogue is something I, i've never played before and bolts has told me so much about it he said it was a great game so i really want to play that um, I was playing Odyssey, um, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey on PS4 last night, and I've been going back through and trying to get all the secrets in Doom Eternal right now. So um, that's what I've been drinking, and that's what I've been gaming. Um, so most of the times, usually back in the olden days of the podcast, we'd talk about video games coming soon, but I kind of wanted to talk about some pops that I noticed that were coming soon. Um, in the next, like, four to five months... There is a lot of pops becoming available. There, there's a lot of MLB pops um, that are really not my thing. 
at all. <laughs> but there's also a lot of other sports pops. Um, but they have some pops um, that uh, I guess I, I didn't really know were coming out um, that for some reason I'm kind of excited for. I don't know why, but there's an Edgar Allan Poe Skull Pop coming out on the 21st. I've always been a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe, but so has my brother. So I'm thinking about getting that for him. Um, and then I noticed that there was some Fight Club pops coming out. Tyler Durden pop is coming out on the 22nd. That looks super interesting. Big one right here, though, is the classic Batman series pops that are coming out. Um, now, these are coming out over a spread, I think. No, they're all releasing the same exact day. I think classic Batman is possibly already out um, right now. But the ones that are coming out are the Batman Returns Catwoman, Batman and Robin Mr. Freeze, Batman Forever Riddler, Batman 89 Joker with Hat, um, and then we got Batman Returns Penguin or Cobblepot, which looks fantastic, and then Batman Forever Two-Face, which looks so fantastic, man. Like, I I've... I've, I've bought a good little chunk of Batman pops and stuff because Batman um, is my favorite character when it comes down to DC. Superman's okay, but Batman is just, he's a creme de la creme when it comes down to just being an amazing uh, superhero. He has no powers. He has no powers at all, people. None. And he's able to destroy people like Superman the way he has multiple times. I don't know. It, it just looks really awesome. Uh, these classic pops. Um, so I'm thinking about getting the whole series. I think I'm going to get classic Batman and then get, you know, of course I have to get Joker. There are, there are some exclusive um, Jokers. I can't remember exactly where, but I'll have to look it up. Um, but it, it, it's just really cool that they're bringing out... Um, that they're bringing out some of these pops just kind of pretty much out of nowhere. Okay, so right here it says Batman 80th edition, 80th anniversary edition. Um, it says eight, uh, 1989 Batman, and I think it's already available. Yeah, it says item shipping to the United States and Canada. It's available for... Um, ten dollars and forty-six cents is usually fifteen bucks, so I'm possibly there's a very big probability that I'm going to order that right. Um, probably after the podcast. Um, another thing too is that they had the movie scene that I didn't realize until I went into GameStop before all this happened, and it was 1989 Batman 80th um, anniversary edition Batman versus the Joker. Um, it was the movie scene to where they were on the top of the building and, uh, you know, Joker has got blood coming out of his mouth. He falls all the way to the ground. He, he makes that whole comment. He's like, you won't punch a guy with glasses, will you? <laughs> it's like one of, one of my favorite scenes. Um, and then they have as well, they have two versions of Joker. Like I knew that they would on entertainment earth. There is one version, and these are coming in May. There is one version that um, is just regular Joker with the hat. There's another version of Joker to where he actually is uh, such a cool... It's a chaos, or it's a, it's a chaos. It's a Chase Limited Edition. Um, I hope I'm going to be able to get this one because this one is amazing. It was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, it is Joker um, when he's wearing the little artist hat. Um, he goes into the art gallery and, well, I think it was a restaurant slash art gallery or whatever. But he goes in there and he has the regular, he has like um, tan face paint on his face. But then he starts wiping it off and you realize his skin is actually white under. And uh, it's so cool, man. It's such an awesome scene. The music in that whole scene, everything was just great about it. So hopefully I'll be able to pick that up. But a lot of these movie scene pops are pretty cool. Um, the way that they they look and they really kind of capture some of those moments. Um, they have uh, they have a few from Marvel to where it's like uh, you know Spider Man versus Venom, and then they have the other ones to where it's like <clears throat> Iron Man. I think it's Iron Man and Captain America, or Iron Man and Thanos going against each other. <coughs> Sorry about that. Let me take a drink real quick. Oh, 
Oh my god. That's some fantastic sandwiches for dinner, but let me tell you, the bread was crunchy, no. Um, but then they have, I don't know, bro. It's hard for me to soak, really, really soak my efforts into getting the right pops because I'm not like, I'm not like bolts. Um, bolts can, bolts goes along and gets like, bolts goes along and gets certain collections all just like at one time. So, like, if there's one series that is coming out that he really, really wants, he'll soak all of his time into just getting that series. But I'm the type of person that if I see, like, a really cool pop and I want it, then I usually just get it. And uh, that happened, that was apparent the other day that a lot of people buy pops differently than I do because I did an unboxing of, like, a total of six pops um and i actually got the god of war fear pop to where he is it's like the nightmare version to where he's uh, kratos is like black and he's got the red stripe going through his dreams or whatever and he's all you know crazy and upset um so what happens is i uh i'm sending pictures to the person i'm buying it from and uh they have a shop here in town and I'd send them a picture of my collection. I was like, here's what my collection looks like. Here, here's how I have it set it up. And they they specifically said, just going to tell you, I hate the fact that I hate the fact that all your pops are out of the box. And I was like, yeah, I know. Pretty much everybody says that. But that's just how I am as a pop collector. Like, I really like the pops being outside of the box. Because, I mean, it's cool to have them in the box and, like, have the art and all that other stuff on it. But, like, if that was the case, if I was just going to keep them like that, then why even get them? You know what I'm saying? Like, for me as a collector, I want to be able to look at them. I want to be able to have, like, if somebody comes over and looks at my collection that I have, be able to go over there and, like, pick the pop up and, like, look at it and be like, wow, look at the detail on this. This is really cool. Or, Man, I really like the way they designed it. That's how I am with my collectibles. I'm not the type of person that really likes to leave a lot of stuff in the box. I like to take it out. I like to look at it. Um, that's how I've always been. My brother, at a very young age, me and him got uh, some Star Wars figures. They were actually like G.I. Joe dolls that were like Star Wars themed. Uh, and I think he got Han Solo and I got Darth Vader. And one day I was playing in the bedroom and I took them both out of the box playing with them. And my brother was pissed. My God, he was so mad. He was like, why did you take these out? And I was like, because I'm, I'm playing with them. And he's like, we're supposed to leave them in. They're supposed to be collectibles. I didn't know any better. I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to have fun. Back up off me. But anyway, some of these are just really cool pops. But I didn't realize how many pops are coming out over these next um, over these next few months. I mean, they even, I'm sure Bolts is going to get some, like the Rangers pop, Corey Kubler, I think is his name, is the pitcher. Uh, I probably just butchered that and he hates me for it now, but, um, they got some of those pops coming out. Let's keep looking just for a second. They got a ton of new Harry Potter pops coming out. A ton of them. Malfoy with the whip spider, Neville Longbottom with a monster book, Ron Weasley with a slug bucket. Um, Dumbledore with Baby Harry. Um, it's crazy, bro. Uh, you know, Hermione Granger with a feather. And it's like a clear thing and making it look like the feather's floating. Uh, freaking ninja. Icon. Uh, pop icons ninja. No, thank you. Um, Harry Potter with the invisibility cloak. I don't know why they're like reinvigorating all these uh, Potter pops, but they're all coming out the first uh, bit of May. Uh, let's see what else they have. Uh, this one's a really cool pop. I'm probably going to get it to put next to the Thanos pop. Um, but it's, uh, in-game I Am Iron Man, Glow in the Dark. It's the one to where he has, uh, the Iron Man, you know, uh, Infinity Gauntlet on. Uh, he's got blood coming down his face and he's on his knees. It's a beautiful pop. It's fantastic looking. And then they have Legend of Core pops coming out, which are pretty cool. There's one of Core that has like water and fire behind her, and she's on one leg. Looks pretty awesome. <clears throat> now, these are some pops that I'm thinking about heavily investing time into as well, 
um, some of the Master of the Universe pops. Now, I wasn't big. Like, I mean, I watched it whenever I was younger. I've always admired the series as a whole, but I really like He-Man. I really like Skeletor. They're awesome. Um, what's cool, though, about this pop series is, of course, they have all the, you know, bad guys or whatever, but they have two pops. They have Master of the Universe He-Man, and they also have Master of the Universe Prince Adam, uh, which, you know, it, it, of course, is the same character, but it, it has two different clothes on. Um, he has the pink and purple. Well, he's got the pink shirt, white undershirt, purple pants, purple shoes, and he's got He-Man version as well. Um, and then there's, you know, as I said, there's all of the, you know, bad uh, people. There's Sorceress and Mosquito and all this other stuff. Um, uh, Webster. Uh, I think it, I don't know, bro. I think they just look really cool. There's some really cool, uh, nicely designed pops. And especially with me having um, the He-Man in the slime pit, um, I'll probably go ahead and just get some more of them just to kind of add to the add to the collection of those um and then of course they have a they got a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh stuff they got some office stuff office was one of my favorite shows but i'm not i don't think i'm gonna um i don't think i'm gonna collect the series of, of office pops um now the there's one really cool one is 29.99 it's a master of the universe he-man on battle cat which is fantastic it looks really great and then, of course, later in May, you have the next series of Dragon Ball Pops coming out, which is Kale, Khalifi, uh, Super Gohan, Future May, um, Super uh, Vegeta, which is Dragon Ball Super Vegeta. He's the one where he's in the blue shirt and the tan pants. They also have uh, a GameStop-only metallic Super Gohan. And then they have the um, Dragon, Ball, uh, Dragon Ball Super Hercule, there's also a Hercule online. I can't remember the exactly what site is uh, it's exclusive on, but it's a uh, it's a Super Saiyan Hercule, which is really cool. Um, but it's just crazy. I don't know, man. I'm just shocked by some of these pops. I mean, bro, great mouse detective, like Basil and um, Professor Ragatini. I'm like, bro, they're bringing all these pops and stuff out. I'm super confused. They're like from series. Uh, around the time that I was young and they're bringing all these pops and these series back just like pretty much out of nowhere it's just confusing to me back back to the future they're br they're bringing out back to the future pops I'm gonna have to get those bro Marty McFly in his puffy vest uh, regular Marty McFly with skateboard then he's got the future hat on then he's got uh, Doc from 2015 Doc and then, bro, there's a $29.99 version that has the fucking clock tower, bro. I've got to get that, and that's 1955 Doc. So it's got the he's got the really cool clothes on and the cut above his eyebrow. And it's even got on the clock tower. There's lightning coming from the top of the clock tower down to the bottom. Ugh, they're killing me, bro. They're killing me. I'm really trying to kind of like. I'm not trying to slow down on the amount of pops that I buy, but I'm trying to like centralize the ones that I'm trying to buy. But when I see series like this, I can't help it. Um, and then, of course, I'm definitely getting these to come out the day before my birthday. I'm buying every one of them. That's my birthday presents. No questions asked. V from Cyberpunk 2077. Then V Glow in the Dark from Cyberpunk 2077. Then you got Johnny Silverhands on his, like, one knee. And then you got Johnny Silverhands with a pistol where he's standing up. He's got sunglasses on. And then you got female V. So I'm going to get all those. Um, cause I'm super excited about cyberpunk as, as is bolts, but I don't know, bro. I'm just, I'm really into pops now. I hope this list helps you guys kind of understand, uh, some of the pops that are coming out and of course how crazy I am about pop collecting. So, okay. So man, oh man, links awakening. It's a, it's a special kind of game. Let's just say that, um, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is, of course, a remaster of the original. Um, and it's been uh, some time since I played this. Now, I did play this at E3 last year. Um, and I was basically told by the Nintendo rep that while we are doing, uh, doing our Nintendo appointment, he was like, hey, man, listen, I know you're having fun going through the dungeons, but we only got so much time. So uh, maybe go over here and do this and this and this. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So... 
you know, of course I went and did those little couple of small things here and there, but the fact of the matter is it's a hard ass game, bro. Like what's, you know, the good thing about Nintendo games is that they don't offer difficulty settings. Um, so there's a lot of original Nintendo games that are not going to come with, um, difficulty settings at all. Um, you just pretty much got to just do whatever because they make the games moderately um, easy for anybody. Um, so no matter who is playing, for the most part, you're always usually going to be able to do pretty good in the game. Um, now, the thing with Link's Awakening is it's a freaking breathtaking game. It really is. It's a beautiful game. Um, I'm not, I don't know exactly how many hours I've put into it, but I, I know I've put a lot of hours of aggression and, um, rage quitting in this game. Uh, cause either the fact of just, you know, me really heavily invested a couple of hours, like three to four hours into the game. And then just pretty much getting to the point of having to walk around aimlessly. Cause I have no clue where I'm going or being lost or something like that looking at the map trying to go back reloading save data and starting over fresh because i'm confused of where i'm going or what the actual goal is um and that's my own you know it's nothing as a game i guess it's more or less my own stupidity for not really paying attention to what i'm doing but it's just crazy because i mean the game is just it's spectacular looking and the you know the overall gameplay is very easy to get used to but the problem that I had with it was it took me quite some time to get to that point of finally being able to do stuff in the game. Now, um, that's probably just because I really kind of had to familiarize myself with this style of game, uh, and it's not something that I have I have played on a continuous continuous basis. This style of, of game, um, I'm really I mean, you when you go from something like Doom Eternal to Link's Awakening, there's a little bit of a difference, if you know what I'm saying. So, um, it's just, it would get very irritating when I would be trying to just kind of explore the map. And I couldn't explore the map because I, you know, I didn't have, um, I didn't have a certain thing. Like, I didn't have the power bracelet or, um, I couldn't, with the power bracelet, you can pick up stones and pick up other stuff and move it out of your way. Um, or at the very beginning of the game, I didn't have, uh, you know, a sword or a shield, so I had to go find it. Um, and then I had to find the magic powder and I had to get, uh, you know, rocks feathers so I can make sure that I'm able to jump. And um, I had to get the shovel so I could find more shells and do all this other stuff. So um, right now I, I, I have um, three quarters of the map completely um, visible. Um, and the, the map as a whole is awesome. And also the fact that you can actually zoom into the map is a really great, uh, tool. Um, and the fact that you can add pins to the map. Um, now I know this is probably not new news to anyone out there, especially if you're a switch player, I'm just now getting around to playing Link's Awakening. Um, but I, I have to say, it's just like, it's a tough fucking game, bro. Like it's a really tough game for the most part. And um, it can get really irritating at times. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, there's, there's certain areas of the map that I should easily be able to get to. And, and just lo like logic wise, you know, when I think about it in just normal terms of being able to jump with this feather, Link jumps high enough with this feather that there should be no reason why I cannot get to this, you know, top level point. Um, by just jumping up, but you know, I, that's not how it works. You have to go to a certain area that has a ladder and climb up there and it's super irritating, man. Oh my God. It's so irritating. Um, you know, and it's just crazy to me. There's, there's areas of the game that don't make particularly any sense to me the way that the level design is. Um, there's areas, areas of the game that are super understanding, like, uh, or understandable. Like, you know, I, I go and, uh, go down into a little stairwell and I find a dungeon and it's very easily access accessible. I go, I kill the people, I get a key or 
get some crystal or something like that and I, I'm on my way moving on to the next area of the of the game but what's irritating to me is when it continues on a, a like over and over and over again and and uh, and when I say it continues I'm meaning it in the perspective of like anytime I try to do something if I move on to the next area and I try to do something I run into the same exact problem um, like for instance, when I was in the graveyard, um, section of the map, um, it, I thought it was really cool. They had like ghosts and all this other stuff. And it's kind of a wannabe shout out to, you know, the Mario series with these ghosts. And, um, once you kill them, you can get these fairies and they can rebuild your hearts and blah, 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 whatever. Um, also, you know, if you have the jar, you can capture the fairies and put them in there. But it's still, it's just irritating because, like, I leave that and I go to this next little wooded area. And this was before I had the power bracelet. I go to this next little wooded area uh, and I'm, like, taking on these crows. These crows are flying down and attacking me. And then I realize there's two stones right there in front of me. So, well, fuck that. I can't do that because I don't have the power bracelet. So I have to pretty much walk on, walk all the way back through that entire area, the graveyard and everything, just to... Just to, basically, I walked all the way up there, realized I couldn't do nothing, so I had to walk all the way back, and then I had to go do all these other tasks. So, it's a very task-filled game, and I think me as like this ADHD gamer, like as I'm going along and I'm trying to play this game as much as possible in the best possible way of just having a lot of fun, like I did with Mario Odyssey, I I stop myself and realize it's not Mario Odyssey. It's not something that you can just kind of jump into and just, hey, I got a hat. I can do all this shit now. Um, it's something that takes time and takes concentration. And there's sometimes when I'm gaming, I, I, I it's hard for me to do that. That's the reason why I love games like, for instance, Doom Eternal. Even though, um, like you weren't extremely powerful at the beginning of the game and you had to upgrade your character through the skill tree and all this other stuff with, you know, more powerful weapons and, and so on and so forth. Um, what was great about it is that from the get go, you pretty much were just a fucking badass and you just go in and you fuck shit up and there's a possibility you're going to die. But by the, you know, by the second or third time you're going to play it, you're going to second or third time you're going to play this boss or play this area that has like a shit ton of zombies. You're going to go in there and get so irritated. You're going to fucking destroy every one of them. And that's what happened to me so many times in that game. It was a tough game, especially whenever you played it on normal or ultra violent. Um, and uh, it was a tough ass game. But when you really just like realize what you're doing and realize you can't stand like stand in one area you have to continuously move you have to use your brain and use common sense and just fight the fuck out of these demons then it was just fun all around every moment and that's the same exact thing with super mario odyssey it was just a fun game from start to finish the problem i'm having with legend of zelda link's awakening is that link is very underpowered at this point in time i only have a total of six hearts so as I'm going, and like right now, I have the, the dog on a chain. I don't understand how I actually drop him off at all. I'm just confused. It makes no sense to me. I'm trying to drop him off to his owner, I and I, I picked him up. And I mean, he's great. He kills all my enemies anytime I want to. But there's, a, there's three or four times that I've tried to go do something and either I had to leave him behind or like I was going to talk to a vendor or someone in the house and they're like, please leave that disgusting mud outside and then we'll talk. So I'm like, how the fuck do I leave him? I'm confused. What do I, what do, I do? And I'm getting my games merged together and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can just craft a wooden stake and put him down. And I'm like, oh, that's Animal Crossing. So <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess it's kind of just like my experience with, with Link's Awakening it's kind of uh, 60 40 right now. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but at the same time, it's so irritating to me. It's so irritating to me because it's not Breath of the Wild. Like, Breath of the Wild, yes, you needed strategy and stuff like that, but I don't know. The gameplay, of course, was just completely different. And Breath of the Wild was just. Ugh, Breath of the Wild was just an unbelievable game. Me and Dara put in probably about 150 to 200 hours into that game. Um, and it just. I just loved every minute of it. So, um, with that being said, we can move down into the next topic at hand. 
that's going to be our gaming news segment. So let's go ahead and talk about some awesome gaming news. So I'm hoping my boy Bolts has been paying attention to some, to, to some uh, video game news recently. Because when Resident Evil 2 Remake was announced, he was livid. He was upset. Well, he wasn't livid. He was glad that people could play the remake. But at the same time, he was like, it's the same fucking game over and over and over again. But I will say, if Resident Evil 4 ever gets remade and they do it right, then I will definitely make sure to check the game out um, and, and play it. So it has been officially reported that a remake of Resident Evil 4 is currently in development with a planned release window of 2022. This remake is being developed by M2, an Osaka-based company. Um, the former head of Platinum Games is the leader of this. Um, and they're also saying that some of the staff from the original, uh, some of the people from the original um, studio that did Resident Evil, or the original team, that did Resident Evil 4 will be back as well. So it sounds pretty awesome. Um, Shinji Mikami is, uh, only, is only rumored to be linked with this. Um, it did state in this VG247 article, Resident Evil 4's original game director Shinji Mikami declined to lead the remake himself, but has given it his blessing and has offered some advice on the direction of of the upcoming release. Now, it was originally rumored that Shinji Mikami was going to be coming back for this, but I think Shinji Mikami is still working on um, many other games um, as well. Um, I think that... Uh, I don't really know for sure, um, but I think that Shinji Mikami is actually working on two or three games. Um, I know that he is still working on Ghostwire, um, but... I think he only has, I think he only has so much of a hand in that, um, because of some of the other people at Tango GameWorks that are that are trying to lead up that project as well. So I don't really know for sure, 100%. But this is cool. Um, it does worry me though, because from what I am seeing online and from what I'm seeing with reviews and so on and so forth, Resident Evil 3 remake kind of botched it compared to Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 was a great remake that was done very well, that had um, both perspectives, of course, you could play as, you know, both characters, and just overall the presentation, the gameplay, everything about it was very similar to the original, but also kind of added some stuff, um, and it was, it was a great experience. I loved it from start to finish. I was going to get Resident Evil 3, but I was like, uh, let me just wait. Uh, I'm playing other games right now. And it's probably a good thing I didn't because from what they're saying, a lot of things have been taking out, uh, were, were taken out of the Resident Evil 3 story. Um, things were kind of added into it, and it almost seems like the story was shortened. Um, so I don't know, man. I don't really know how I feel about Resident Evil 3 as a whole. It seems like people are kind of enjoying it. But at the same time, there's a lot of fan base, a lot of people that were really stuck on the whole Resident Evil 3 bandwagon that, that think it's a good game, but think Capcom really should have stuck to the original storyline of the game. So, I don't know, man. It, it, it's uh, it's definitely something to kind of uh, look at with the Resident Evil 4 because I'm going to tell you right now, Resident Evil 4 was by far the best Resident Evil game I've ever played outside of Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 7 was a great Resident Evil game from start to finish. I loved every ounce of that game. Um, and Resident Evil 4 just was right up there. I've played Resident Evil 4 so many times it's ridiculous. Resident Evil 4 Remake or HD Remastered. I played it on um, PS2. I played it on GameCube. Um, it's just a great game. And if Capcom were to release that and it looked fantastic and have a lot of the like 95% of all of the same aspects of the original Resident Evil 4, you ain't got nothing to worry about. But if you release it and you change a lot of shit in it, then you got shit to worry about because Resident Evil 4 was one of those games that was just like, it was groundbreaking. It was fantastic. The boss battles were unbelievable. The, the, the horror and terror of that game 
of you running low on ammunition and having those villagers chasing you down and stuff. Oh my god, bro. It was stupendous. I loved that game. So if Capcom ends up getting their hands onto it and they are officially doing a remake of it, I just really hope that they they really think about the decisions that they're making when it comes down to the story-driven aspect of the game. They don't plan on taking things out or changing things too much. Now, speaking of a game that's going to be groundbreaking, Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be probably one of the best games ever released in the history of gaming. Um, and the reason why I said that is I really trust CD, uh, CD, <laughs> CD Projekt Red um, a, a lot with this game. Seeing what we saw at E3 this past year, seeing the gameplay that has been released since then, hearing some of the developers talk about this game as a whole, um, I really think that Cyberpunk 2077 is set to be one of the best games to release uh, like of all time. Um, it's going to be one of those games that people will play over and over and over again. And the reason why I say they're going to play it over and over and over again is because it is said um, that the, it's going to have the same volume of DLC that The Witcher 3 had. So president, the president of uh, CD Projekt Red uh, said that the development staff is planning on having the same exact volume of DLC that, CD Proje uh, that uh, The Witcher 3 had for Cyberpunk 2077. He also confirmed, like just like The Witcher 3, add-ons will be revealed ahead of the game's launch. The Witcher 3, of course, had a consistent stream of free small add-ons with two major expansions that you had to pay for. So, the great thing is, another good thing about it, is that Cyberpunk 2077 is still set for September 17th for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And they're saying that that is a locked date. That the coronavirus or COVID-19 will not affect the release of this game. Um, and I think that is a sigh of relief to a lot of a lot of fans, but I think it's a sigh of relief to the games industry as a whole, especially after some of the pushbacks and the major pushback of The Last of Us 2, which has been pushed off indefinitely, which I'm thinking... It's when they say indefinitely, they just mean they don't have an exact release date, but I'm still thinking it's going to come this year. I think it's going to come out in November. Um, I don't think that the game is going to be a PlayStation five title. Um, I think it's too far in, in development unless they have already been developing the game for the PS five and the PS four. Um, who really knows to be honest with you, but I do think the game is going to probably release in, in between September and November. Um, but this is fantastic news for anybody that is a CD project red fan that, uh, the, the DLC is going to be the same amount of volume, um, for cyberpunk as it was with the Witcher three. Now it was really hard for me to get into the Witcher three because it's taken me, it's taken me so long because I put things to the side. I, I really love everything about the lore of The Witcher. I, I love the generalistic story of the game. And of course, I love the, the series as well. I did play a little chunk of the game, but it's just there's so many games that have came out that were grabbing my interest and I was really focusing on, especially when this game launched, I'm pretty sure I was in uh, three games that I was down for reviewing at the time. And I just didn't have a lot of time to invest. So by the time that I did have in time to invest, like I do now, um, I'm, I'm focusing on other games that I still didn't have time to play, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, all these other games as well, like Darksiders, um, some other games. Well, Darksiders Origins or whatever it's called, the top-down. I know it's not the best, but it is something that me and Dara have been playing, So, um, which I didn't mention earlier, but... I just, I'm really excited for what is to come with Cyberpunk 2077. With everything, with the story, with the world, with the way the game looks, the feel, um, the overall gameplay is going to be fantastic. And I think I'm going to be able to soak a little bit more time into this game because it is an action adventure game that is like a first person shooter. So um, the third person action adventure games um, are, are okay for me. But like with Skyrim, it was an action adventure game. I played the entire thing for uh, through um, you know first person. Um, also, 
Red Red Dead Redemption 2 um, had the ability of going first person, and you would be surprised how much of that game I played in first person. Um, there's just something about the first person experience that I really like. Third person is fine, depending on the game, but there's a lot of times, too, that I feel I get a little bit more wrapped and in depth in the game if I'm in that kind of, uh, you know, first person mode, because I really feel that I'm, like, in that world. So... I think that's the reason why I really soaked all the time that I did into Skyrim because it was like that first person experience that I'd probably never had before. I mean, Oblivion was fun. Skyrim was just something else. You know what I'm saying? Oblivion was a really fun game, but Skyrim was just, it was, uh, it was something on, on the next fucking level. You know what I'm saying? So next up, we're talking about another action adventure game that is slowly but surely over time getting better. Um, a lot of people have wrote this game off. Um, I was upset with this game uh, at launch. We can definitely say that. Um, I was not the nicest. I did not give it the best review. Um, but I have played it since um, the updates and patches and stuff like that. And when Wastelanders comes out, I do plan on revisiting it and giving my thoughts and opinions on not just second opinion but on Cinelinks. So I am excited to say that the Wastelanders pack actually launches in just two days. It launches on the 14th, which is Tuesday. Um, and this Wastelanders pack will add in full voiced NPCs. The Wastelanders update introduces fully voiced NPCs to the world and also includes new storyline. Dialogue choices, factions, locations, enemies, new weapons, uh, and a new reputation system, and more. So it's a really big update. And let me tell you something. If you haven't seen the trailer, I would definitely say watch it. Because if you are a Fallout fan, it's hard not to get excited for this update. Um, it, it seems like it's going to be a really good update. Especially the fact that all this content is going to be free. And I know Bolts, if Bolts was on the podcast right now, Bolts would say, you damn Skippy, it should be free. I'm like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand that this this should be free. This update should be free. Cool, cool. Bethesda knows what they did wrong. They're fixing it. I mean, think about the amount of work and time and effort that they're putting into fixing this when they could have easily said, listen, we fucked up. We're not going to support the game anymore. So it's a pretty big deal. Um, and I'm I'm just excited to re-download it and check it out. So I will definitely be playing a good chunk of it on the 15th for sure. I'm off that day. Uh, and I'm really going to focus a lot of time into trying to get some gameplay recorded for you guys. Um, and just share my thoughts on the next episode of the podcast, which will probably come on Friday. Um, but... I'm, I'm excited. I can't say that I'm not excited. I mean, the, the NPCs are there. There's new enemies. There's new weapons, new locations, new... Um, there's new everything. I mean, everything about the game is slowly but surely changing. There's a new rep reputation system, factions, dialogue choices. It's a big-ass thing. It says, claim your copy on Steam uh, now um, and uh, by 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, so you don't forget that. Um, originally set to release April 7th, the Wastelander update uh, for Fallout 76 comes out on the 14th. This is the same day it arrives on Steam. If you purchase the game on PC and played it through Bethesda Launcher, you will receive a free copy of the game on Steam. So if you want to play it on Steam and you purchased it through Bethesda Launcher, you can download a free copy on Steam now. Um, if you're on PS4 and you plan on playing this update, hit me up, add me. I'll try to see if there's a way that uh, we can set up a faction or do our own little side quests and all that other stuff. I'm giving a shout out to my boy Dustin from Blasted Reviews. Um, definitely make sure to hit me up, my bro. Um, and uh, I know I probably said <laughs> the website's name wrong. I apologize. Um, but hit me up. Let's play some. Um, but if there's anybody else listening that plays Fallout 76 and wants to play with me, hit me up right now. Um, and when I get done playing some of it, I will definitely do kind of a revisiting of Fallout 76 and give my honest opinion of what I think of the new update. So next up, uh, topic of news. It's just pretty crazy. Uh, recently on um, uh, 
recently just kind of something I didn't really expect on Inside Xbox for April 2020. Uh, Larry uh, Herbert or Major Nelson actually revealed the Xbox Series X storage expansion card. Um, showed it on screen, and it looks like a small memory card, which plugs into the back of the Xbox Series X. And what's crazy is that this memory card stores up to one terabyte worth of game data. Um, and this is from a source from Kotaku, or actually, I'm sorry, it's not Kotaku, it's GamesRadar Plus. Uh, make sure to check them out. It says this memory card stores a terabyte worth of game data, not just a few... Uh, megabytes of save file xbox series x director of program management jason ronald explained it also matches up to the speed offered by xbox series x internal storage exactly uh it's all about uh sustaining performance so if a game takes full advantage of the xbox velocity architect uh that's uh, that same game can live on the internal storage or on it can live on the external storage as well, and it won't slow down the process. So that's pretty fantastic. Um, I don't think there is an exact price set for this just yet, um, but from what it shows, it plugs directly into the back. Um, there is a little port that plugs into it. It says down here at the bottom, there's not a price set for it as of yet, um, but it is. Uh, it says... Uh, later clarified that USB 3.1 and 3.2 external hard drives can still be used on the Xbox One, Xbox 360, original Xbox games, and Xbox Series X. However, Xbox Series X games will need to be run off of the internal SSD or the expandable storage drive that is the new one. So, um, it says one of the best external portable SSDs, Samsung's T5, has a list price of $250.00. Um, I don't think it'll be $250, probably medium range would be like $150 or $199, who knows, but that's a lot of storage, bro, so you're going to be sitting at like 3 terabytes worth of space, uh, it just depends on what these new games are going to download to your, um, to your system, I mean, how, how big is the file size going to be, because now we're getting games that are, you know, 100 gigabytes plus, so I, that's why I was a little upset to hear that they're saying that the PlayStation 5's base SSD is going to be uh, like one terabyte, I think. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's weird to me because there's PS4 Pros that have one terabyte's worth. And, you know, I would think that they would want to go with two terabytes or three terabytes um, the, because we don't really know exactly how much these games are going to take up on our systems. Um, so... I don't know. Please make sure if there is a topic at hand that we're talking about tonight and you want to uh, comment, make sure to send us a voice message on anchor.fm. Uh, go to Second Opinion Podcast on anchor.fm. You can actually send us voice messages directly from there. Or make sure to comment on either uh, the, the Google Play or Google Podcast site, the iTunes site, Spotify, wherever. Give our podcast a review. Let us know what you think. Tell us where we need to change things, if we need to be more opinionated, if we need to go more in-depth. The more opinions that we have from you guys, the better it will be for us information-wise what we wanted to actually do with the show and how uh, to better inform our listeners. So, last topic for tonight before we move into our Doom Eternal review the DualSense has reportedly been used by Pete Hines, and he is quoted saying, I think games are going to do some really cool things with this when it comes out. Um, PlayStation UK introduced the DualSense wireless with the picture, um, and it says haptic feedback, adaptive, adapt, adaptive triggers, built-in rechargeable, uh, rechargeable battery, a new creation button, which is the share button, which... From what they're saying, the share aspect of PlayStation 5 is going to be way more in-depth, and it's going to make it a lot easier for players to share their gameplay and stuff like that, which I'm always down for that. Built-in microphone array and USB Type-C, so which is great. USB Type-C is pretty much uh, used universally, so it is something that um, a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these companies kind of need to move into. So he actually retweeted this on the 8th and said, I've gotten to try the haptic feedback and adaptive triggers on this thing, and I was very impressed. 
I think games are going to do some really cool things with them. And then a guy says, uh, Brian Gibson uh, on Twitter commented to him, says, does it feel different compared to the PS4 controller? He said, you sort of immediately forget about the PS4 controller. I went back and forth between them, and you immediately just want to use the PS5 controller, which is so awesome. It's so great, uh, especially hearing Pete Hines saying that. He's honestly... I know there's a lot of times they get real gushy on the podcast and I shout people out. Like I shouted out Andrea Renee last week and talked about how amazing she was. But there's so there's so many amazing people in this industry. It's ridiculous. You know, like Pete Hines, dude, is just such a nice fucking guy, dude. Like every year I've gone to QuakeCon, there's never been a time that I've ever, you know, walked up to him to talk to him or ask how his family is doing or anything like that. And he's kind of like, Hey, I'm a little busy. Walk off every single time he stopped and walked up, decided to talk to me, have a conversation with me. It's just like the year we decided to bring my daughter with us. Um, he literally came out while we were waiting on our uh, appointment and was talking to us about his kids and his family. And was talking about, uh, you know, our daughter and how cute she was and her little QuakeCon dress that we made and all this. And, um, Especially at the event, being like when you're going and doing stuff at the event and seeing him in the BYOC and seeing him, you know, playing cards with, you know, just everybody. Um, it's just a, it's a great feeling to know there's somebody, there's people like this in the industry as a whole that no matter where they go, even if they become, you know, the CEO of a company, you know, there's so many people in this industry that are gamers at heart and they want to be there with their community. They, uh, they really show it tr through and through. And that, that's just Bethesda as a whole. Um, people could say what they want about Bethesda, um, but th their entire staff has always been so amazing to me. It's software, Bethesda as a whole has always been great to me. Um, but it's great to hear him say this because I know in all honesty, he's not saying this as something that is just like, oh yeah, you know, it's going to be cool because I like PlayStation. He's saying it because he literally means this is going to be a great controller. It's something that he probably honestly um, wasn't really expecting to have that feel to it. And then he was just like, man, this is going to be fucking awesome, which I'm excited for, man. I mean, uh, haptic feedback, adaptive triggers. That's going to be something that's going to be game-changing as a whole, especially if you're playing with this and they end up doing the whole VR aspect with PlayStation 5. It is going to be fucking huge, uh, and I'm very, very excited to see what is to come to it. So big shout-outs to Pete Hines for that. Shout-outs to VG247. Shout-outs to uh, PlayStation Lifestyle, GamesRadar, uh, and, of course, Cinelinks.com for some of the stories that we sourced in tonight's podcast. So next up, guys, you're going to listen to my Doom Eternal review. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I, I was kind of, you know, back and forth here and there, fan perspective review, but I always try to do my reviews differently. I try to do things differently. Instead of just sounding like a robot, I really try to kind of put my passion into my reviews, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you don't want to listen to it fully, just wait a couple of days and you can just watch it because I'm going to have some, you know, I'm going to have like the launch trailer and some gameplay and stuff like that merged together in one little video that will be posted on my YouTube page and also on Cinelink's YouTube page. So I love you guys very much. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this review. Peace out. Four years after Bethesda and its software released the critically acclaimed Doom 2016, they've jumped back into the pits of hell with Doom Eternal. If you thought 2016's Doom was good, Doom Eternal elevates the demonic shooter to bigger heights in every satisfying, gory way. This is our review of Doom Eternal. After all these years, Doom finally feels complete to me, and man, let me tell you, it was amazing. When Doom 2016 was announced, I just thought we were getting another reboot in the gaming world. I really wasn't upset about it, but I should have known that id Software had something up their sleeves. Doom Eternal is not just everything I've ever wanted from a Doom title, but it's also the culmination of 27 years of id Software titles colliding in one game. Set only 8 months after the events of Doom 2016, we see the Slayer come back from Hell to take his vengeance against the demonic threat that has overtaken Earth. The story in Doom Eternal is by far the most lore-filled story we have had in a Doom title since the creation of the series. 
The Ark and Allied forces have failed to hold back the demonic invasion, and it is now up to the Slayer to end this mess before the human race is wiped from existence. As we go through the story, we finally learn the origins of the Doom Slayer, and without spoiling it too much, let's just say this dude has been around for some time now. Doom Eternal does a great job of bringing the story of the Slayer to life, making anyone that plays the game feel like a god. No matter what challenges the Slayer faces, he always prevails. A mortal man that not only is trying to destroy Hell, but to save humanity on his own is not just a hero, it's basically God of War on PCP with a hint of speed. This dude is a total fucking badass. Characters like Samuel Hayden and Vega are back with addition of main characters like the father, the betrayer, the con maker, and many others. The addition of these main story characters really adds to the lore of the game and makes you feel more connected to the Slayer's journey. Level by level, we see the lore and the universe grow, making Doom Eternal one of those titles that really shows how the Doom universe was all connected. This was a genius move by id Software. Fans of the series have been asking for some time now how the Doom games were all connected, and id Software really hit it out of the park, connecting the universe in Doom Eternal. One cool thing about Doom games is finding all the secrets as you play through the story. You can find secrets like Easter eggs, cheat codes, collectible figures, and more in Doom Eternal. One of the coolest things about the levels was scouring through every nook and cranny trying to find as many items as I could while destroying the hordes of hell. This placement of the secrets was at times a little hard, but fret not. If you can't find them all through your first playthrough, you can play back through a second time using cheats and make it a little bit easier for the player to actually find those secrets, which mind you, that happened to me quite a few times. Every little subtle thing in Doom Eternal was a shout out to fans in the history of Doom. Amazingly, when you find cheats, they're on little floppy disks. Previous soundtracks are on vinyl albums. And hell, you can even play Doom 1 and Doom 2 in the Slayer's Man Cave on a classic PC. Its software did all they could to make gamers feel like this was the Doom of old. Even with the addition of the classic looks of the health vials, medkits, armor, and ammo, it all had that classic Doom feel while playing the game. Id Software even brought back the classic look of their enemies. Characters like the Cyber Demon, Mancubus, Archvile, and many others all delivered the feeling of nostalgia as I was pulling out their entrails. This change of the design really made the game feel more connected to the original Doom series. They even decided to add boss battles back in the game and make them grander than ever. One of the bosses you face off against is a gladiator, a new de demon that resembles the Baron of Hell from Doom 2. This battle was very cool and gave me the feeling that I was playing not just a shooter, but an action-adventure title. I know it may seem like a little much at times, this battle was very cool and gave me the feel that I wasn't just playing a shooter, but an action-adventure title. I know it may not seem like much, but just this small addition really makes the game feel that much more special. Since we're talking about enemies, let's talk about the new challenging baddies brought to Doom Eternal for the first time. There are roughly around 27 or 28 different demons in Doom Eternal, but there are a few that really pushed me to the limit. First, the returning Archvile was a really big challenge to get used to. He not only deals a ton of damage, but also has fire spells, can shield himself out of the fire of hell, and he could spawn other demons through thin air to attack you. That's right. He can spawn fucking demons and send them to attack you. Though this was a challenge, this is a demon class that fans rejoiced when id Software announced, and I have to say it was really exciting to fight him. Another challenging demon to get used to was the new Marauder. This demon was a former Night Sentinel who turned against his allies and joined forces with the demonic ranks. The Marauder was one hell of a foe. He has his own super shotgun to deal close range damage, can send projectiles hurtling at you from his axe, and has a spirit wolf that can bite you and slow the slayer and blur his vision. That doesn't include the fact that he can melee the shit out of you and is super fast. A lot of the community said this demon was way overpowered, but I have to say, I gotta disagree, guys. Now, admittedly, I did play the game on Hurt Me Plenty, which was the normal mode of the game, so it was a bit easier for me to beat him. But it was hard to get used to his fast-paced attacks. 
But due to that, I had to strategize and I was able to beat this hardcore SOB. There was many other challenges outside of just demons, but I really don't want to spoil too much because it could give a couple of hints away in the story and I don't plan on doing that in my review. The demons brought back and improved upon in Doom Eternal really show how much id Software not only loves their fans, but loves this game. After playing Doom 2016, I really didn't know if Eternal could fill the shoes of its predecessors. But as always, id Software blew me away with its crazy new demons and the return of fan favorites. The gameplay of Doom Eternal is some of the best in the history of the franchise. Man, is it fun as hell. Doom Eternal adds more speed and crazy action than ever before. No matter the situation the Slayer is in, you always feel like you have a one-up on the Demon Horde. With a new wide selection of weapons to choose from, the Slayer can mutilate his enemies in many different ways. What also helps the Slayer kills his enemy is the new level design brought to Eternal. One of the issues with Doom 2016 was the close quarter levels. Eternal fixes this by making the levels more open with the addition of platformer gameplay mechanics. These mechanics add in stuff like wall climbing and grapple pulls that keep you moving and high up in the air, thus making it harder for the enemies to attack you and easier for you to kill the demons while mid-air. This really makes gameplay and combat seem faster if that's possible and makes you feel like a true god amongst mice. Something that's back in a really big way is the bloody and gory glory kills. Most people don't particularly like quick time events, but id Software made these so much better in Doom Eternal with the transition of combat to quick time event to combat. It's literally so smooth, it feels like you're actually in control of the Doom Slayer during this process. The overall pacing and combat of the gameplay really makes me feel that this is the best Doom in the entire franchise and probably one of the best first person shooters that I think I've ever played. Every moment of this game, I was on the edge of my seat, biting my lip, cursing and thinking I wasn't going to make it to the next part of the level. Then, with 10% health and barely any ammo left, I somehow made it through. There was even times that the gameplay was so fast and fun that once I got done with the horde of demon, I stood up and screamed in excitement at the top of my lungs, I am the fucking Doomslayer, baby! Well, I do have to say this. Mike Gordon, you fucking did it again, bro. Doom Eternal, the entire soundtrack of Doom Eternal is some of the best music I have ever heard in a video game. Like Doom 2016, the entire album had me headbanging from start to finish. Walking up on a giant horde fighting each other and then dropping in from the top of the level and hearing that badass guitar riff start made my blood pump uncontrollably. As I played through Doom Eternal, the music really made me appreciate Mike Gordon and id Software even more. Not only did they make the epic soundtrack and bring together a ton of bands to make a fucking heavy metal choir, but they also decided, as said earlier, to bring some of the best music from the Doom universe into this game. These vinyl records you can find are actually songs from Doom, Wolfenstein, Quake, and much more. This is such a cool add-on that shows how much the dev team appreciates everyone that supported and loved the Doom franchise from year one. Another thing that is great while listening to this ultra metal soundtrack is playing Battle Mode. Battle Mode is a unique experience that pins two demons against the one and only Doom Slayer in a handicap style deathmatch. Every level is themed around story locations, but designed specifically for Battle Mode. It comes with all the bells and whistles of the single player, but adds some challenges. If you are the Slayer, your mission is to, of course, kill both the demons as quickly as possible. But if you're a demon, you have to strategize properly, you and your partner, to take down the Slayer as easily as possible. You and your partner have your own powers, but also have the ability to call upon other demons to take on the Slayer. These abilities are easy to use, but must power back up over time during the match. If you see, if you use these abilities too quickly, you can kill your chances to kill the Slayer away pretty quickly. So I'm just stating, when you jump into a battle mode match, if you do plan on playing this game, do not prematurely use your powers too quickly. Because I'm telling you right now, no matter who is playing the Doom Slayer, he is very heavily powerful. 
His weapons are powerful, and he will kill you and your partner very quickly. So make sure to strategize with the other player. Choose the right demon to basically kind of pair with whatever demon he has. So if somebody has the Mancubus and they're on the ground, maybe get one of the demons that's kind of higher up in the air. You know, or um, if someone is playing as, you know, uh, the Marauder, try to make sure, you you know, get you the Mancubus. Have something more powerful. Take them on from one side of the map to the other. I don't know. I'm giving you strategy, and I should just be reading the review. When I got into a match, this was probably some of the most fun that I've had in a deathmatch-style game in some time. But that is the issue, getting into a match. I don't think this game is the issue. I do believe it is more or less the players. I couldn't count on my hand how many times I connected to a game and then had the message that either someone left the game or they weren't able to find enough players. It was a bit upsetting, but does not really change my mind on how this mode uh, actually is. It's very fun. It is very, uh, it's a really unique and fun um, multiplayer mode that I definitely think anyone that is a Doom fan should try out. And it's something I'm going to play a lot of over these next few months. Doom Eternal is pretty special. Not only did we get a fantastic game with an amazing story, we got one of the best Doom titles ever made. This is by far the best FPS title I have played in recent years and is at the top of my list for Game of the Year. The love that id Software poured into Doom Eternal is something that I have never seen before from any dev team out there. id Software and Bethesda truly love the Doom franchise, but they obviously love their fans and Doom Eternal a little bit more. Doom Eternal is the perfect example of that, and I have to say thank you to Bethesda, thank you to id Software for giving us a chance to review this title. And as some of you may already guess, I'm giving this game a five out of five. Make sure to check me out on Twitter. Check us out on YouTube. Of course, you're possibly watching this on a YouTube page. But please make sure to check out Cinelinks on YouTube. Check out Second Opinion Podcast on YouTube. Check out the Second Opinion Podcast. You're going to be able to listen to this on the podcast and also watch the video. And uh, check us out at Cinelinks.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Peace out.